Does the church say amen? If you love the Lord, I want to invite you to stand right now as we get ready to pray. Let's bow our heads. Father, first we want to thank you so much for loving us first. We love you because you first loved us. And so when we hear a song that talks about how we love you, we just get excited because we got reason to love you. You've been too good to us. We're not worthy. And I can't wait today, Father. You know, I'm I'm anxious to tell what you've told me to your people. And I ask God that you will help me now. That I will that I will be hidden by the blood of Jesus Christ. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill us with the Holy Ghost now. That we might be able to understand what, in fact, thus saith the Lord is for us. Help us, God, right now, in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said amen. amen. And amen. As you remain standing, we'll go to the text of Scripture, Matthew 5 and verse 1. It's on the screen. While you're standing, uh, ushers, there are some handouts that I want to put in their hands today. Brothers and sisters, I, I, I am geeked about preaching this sermon today. Mmm. On Tuesday, I was ready for Sabbath to be here. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Hey, look, we're going to take a little time today. Yeah, okay. Matthew 5 is our te- text of scripture. But I, I, I dare say that this is probably, and I know preachers say this all the time, this is the most important spiritual lesson you can learn, you're about to learn right now. Most important spiritual lesson you're going to learn right now. Uh, children, if you don't have your parents... Let's not have to do this every day. Parents, get with your children. Children, get with your parents. It's a good time right now. Also, do me a favor. If you have to leave, do not leave out of these doors. The word is too important to be distracted right now. Uh, Matthew 5. It's on the screen. Let's read together. The Bible says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the screen. Jesus on the screen. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and did what, everybody? And sat down. His disciples came to him. In verse 2, he began to teach them. And this is what he said. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the what? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, let's go to our main focus text that we're going to look at today that's going to illustrate this principle of being poor in spirit. The Bible says, to some, together, who were confident of their own. Let me have, let me have help from everybody today. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and get in the word now. Let's not wait till midway through. Let's get in it now. Are y'all with me? Yeah. All right, let's get in it now. To some who were confident of their own righteousness. Now read with understanding. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. So let me pause and say this. That is a text that you call a context text. The Bible, stay here. The Bible... I'm serious today, y'all. This word, if you don't get this word, you're going to hell. Now, I can say that on every sermon, but I'm telling you, this one right here is the most, most, is the ser- is the mo- is the most significant spiritual lesson that you can learn. That, that's not hyperbole. That ain't preacher talk. That's not me saying I want y'all to hear what I got to say today. I am full of God right now, and we got to get this word. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. So the context is, is we have some self-righteous people. And how do we know they're self-righteous? Because they look down on other people. Verse 10. 
Verse 10. Two men went up to the temple, help me now, to do what? To pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. Did he, did he stand with the crowd? He stood where? By himself and prayed and, and listened to his prayer. Uh, let me read it to you. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. You said that. You said that. You may not have used those words. You said that. I've said that. Everybody done said that. Robbers. Come on, somebody. Evildoers. Adulterers. Or even like this tax collector. So in his prayer, he opens his eyes and looks over and finds I'm glad I'm not like him. Oh, God, help me today. Look, now, now he gives the list. I fast twice a week. And, and give him, and most of us ain't doing that, and, and we ain't doing this either, and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to where everybody. But what did he do? He, he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on who? On who? On me, a sinner. Verse 14, he said, I, I, and then the Lord said this. He said, I tell you. That, by the way, that wasn't a long prayer, was it? No, that wasn't a deep prayer, was it? Man, God have mercy. Yes, sir. I mean, then he says, I tell you, th and this is Jesus talking. Read, everybody. Read. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified. That means saved. That means saved. Went home justified before who? God. For all, now, the other guy went justified before the people, Sister Williamson. I want you to pay attention to what I am saying today. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. You may be seated. The Attitudes, part two. Uh, title of our message today is, Too Good to Go to Heaven. Too Good to Go to Heaven. Now I need God's help today. Now, before I even go any further in this message, I want you to pay attention to what's on the screen. You read it first before I go here. Before, you ain't, you're not going to even be able to get this word today if you don't understand what is about to be said on this screen. Get this. Now, I've said this before, but I mean it now. If you are, if you, if you, if you, if you are planning... And I got, oh, we got a little typo here. If you are planning in your mind to hear this word for somebody else, check yourself right now. Any amens today that are amens because I got somebody else, hold that down. If you are listening to this word today for your son, for your daughter, for your husband, for that person in the church that has mistreated you, Stop right where you are. You cannot receive this word today if you are listening to it for somebody else. If at any point in this message today, you hear something that you feel like applies to somebody else, then you have lost focus. Touch yourself and say, this is for me. This is for me. Now, I believe every word is for you, but today, it's impossible to receive this one, Fred, if you don't first, Barbara, come to the realization that this one is for me. So I'll say it again. Say, this is for me. 
Let's review. Last week we discovered that the kingdom of God is, in, is, is the rule, hallelujah, of Christ over our hearts. Is that not right? Yes. Most people think that the kingdom of heaven is, is, is up somewhere beyond Orion. The kingdom of heaven is in your heart. Where is it, everybody? It's in our heart. Now, it's interesting how many got a chance to, you know, I was dogging the whole, uh, the whole, uh, the wedding, the royal wedding. I was like, man, why, why America getting all excited? And look, I'll be honest, until I saw it, it is intriguing. Royalty. These families and bloodlines that have multiplied over the years and the, the wealth and the pomp and circumstance. It, it was amazing. I actually watched the wedding ceremony, one of the, one of the very spiritual weddings. A lot of scripture and, and very Christ-centered. But, but the kingdom that I want to talk about today, first we have to discover, is that you cannot understand the Beatitudes, what we're teaching today, if you do not understand what it means to be a part of a kingdom. In other words, in the United States of America, I told you we're not in a kingdom. A kingdom is where the king has absolute authority and rule. This is not a democracy in the spiritual realm. You do not negotiate with God. What God says goes. Are we clear on that? Uh, the next thing we learned is that the very first thing that came out of Christ's mouth, and we, we showed you that the Beatitudes is a description. Somebody say a description. The Beatitudes are a description, not a definition. A description is a picture. It is a description of what a real Christian looks like. So if you do not meet the standard of the Beatitudes, then you have to give consideration that I may not really be a Christian. Are we clear? So the first thing that comes out of the Lord's mouth, look at Matthew 5, verse 1. The first thing that he says is that gives us a description, uh, BJ, a description of righteousness. First thing he says is blessed. And we discover that the word blessed, the Greek word is makurios, which suggests to us that they have God-like joy. So that a Christian is somebody that has what? That has what? Now, do me a favor and create a face expression that looks like you have joy. Thank you. It's rough standing up here looking at y'all sometimes. Uh, so, so that, so that for, first thing I want to say to you, and we discovered last week, how many were blessed by last week's message? The first thing we discovered is that a Christian cannot complain. They cannot. They cannot complain because they know that God has been good and because they have God's presence, they have joy. Joy is the result of the presence of God. People that don't have joy do not have his presence. Now let's get into today's word. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now we discover from, uh, from the book Mount of Blessings by Ellen White. She declares that throughout, read that there, throughout the Beatitudes, there is an advancing line of Christian experience. So in other words, if you have your little handout, you will discover that the Beatitudes are sequential in order. Follow me now. Let me lay this down. Uh, Bob, they, they, they are sequential in order, which is to say that you cannot have Beatitude number two if you don't have Beatitude number one. You can't have beatitude number three if you do not have beatitude number two. You cannot have beatitude number four if you do not, and so forth. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's not like I've got this one, but I don't have that one. In other words, you have, you, if you have this first one, then you have them all. 
Oh, come on, hear me now. Hear me now. Try to hang in here for a minute. Try to hang in here. So, watch this now. The very first thing that a Christian should learn is that a Christian should learn that it is a blessed thing to be poor in spirit. Now, repeat that after me. It is a blessed thing to be poor in spirit. One more time. It is a blessed thing to be poor in spirit. Now, let me phrase that another way. It, all the joy. Somebody say all the joy. To be, to be poor in spirit. First thing that you need to learn. What I'm telling you right now is foundational. This is the first great spiritual lesson to be learned. And, here, and watch this now. If it's foundational, if you do not have the poor in spirit concept, then all the other spiritual virtues will be confusing to you and you cannot have them. You cannot be hungry for righteousness if you are not poor in spirit. You cannot be meek if you are not poor in spirit. You cannot be a peacemaker, healthy God, if you are not poor in spirit. You cannot be really merciful. You may have a form of it. God, help me today. Help me today. You may have a form of it, but you do not have the, 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 the power of a real relation. The first thing that you must know is you must invite in your heart the attitude, somebody say attitude today, that is a poor in spirit mindset. This is not in the church. By and large, if there are 10 members, there might be one of them that has this. And I say this, and I'm not saying that the one is me. Because I ain't preaching this so you get it. I'm taking my own advice. When the Lord showed me this word today, oh my, this is going to be groundbreaking. If once this word is delivered, Glenville will make a choice as to whether we will stay the same way we are or whether we will go in a totally different direction in terms of the spirit. You got to get this word today. I'm all wrapped up in this thing that you got to get this word today. God told me very clearly as I'm reading the scriptures in preparation for this message. He said, that ain't you. Now, let, let's talk about the big lie in church. Go ahead and be honest today. I'm about to take all my spiritual clothes off today. You cannot, hear me now, entrance, I need a chair. Somebody give me a chair. Entrance into the kingdom. Somebody say entrance into the kingdom. Entrance into the kingdom must, must begin first with being poor in spirit. Mary Conwell, if you are not poor in spirit, then you have no entrance into the kingdom. Because it's first. Somebody say it's first. So it's just, if, I ha if I must start with this before I get entrance. In other words, I get no access into his presence unless I first invite the mindset of being poor in spirit. Now here's the big Christian lie. Let me read this. Confession of sin in our churches most often comes from those who are just being saved. Hold on for a minute. Tell me, Lord. We hear stories as the equivalent of the before pictures in liposuction ads or, you know, weight loss ads. You, yeah, for example, uh, um, all the detestable 
flag hanging out over, or flab hanging out over the edges of the ill-fitting bathing suits. And they say, before. Y'all don't want to laugh. And, and, then they, and, then, and then they show you that other photo. Uh, the assumption is that the rest of us have had all the sin sucked out of our abs and buttocks and are currently enjoying our slim, trim after bodies. So this is the thing. When you first joined the church, Sister Poole, it's okay to confess sin. I remember I told you I was in a church and a new member, new members do this stuff. A new member got up and says, pray for me, church. I got a sex problem. And, and, and psychologically, we say to ourselves, it's, you know, and they were very uncomfortable with that, but we say, well, she's new. As she begins to grow, she will. Now, now I'm undo a false doctrine that is resident in the church. See, see, the longer she's in the church, the less sin she will have. Wrong! And look, this is why there is so very little confession of sin in the church. Because, and, and see, I can't stand us sometimes. Me too. You know, how, you know how much it took me to tell y'all I like corned beef sandwiches? For real. Yeah, because a preacher, an Adventist preacher, is not supposed to like red meat. And for me to throw that out, oh. When I told you that I, I had, God gave me victory over pornography, oh. Preachers are supposed to be more spiritual. And, 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 and so here's the big lie. The big lie that we like to believe is that we have spiritual superstars in the church. And so, and so this is what we do. When a superstar falls, then we, then we go in the mode. Can't believe he would do that. With, with his beautiful family and, and how could he, he was preaching to us every week and at the same time he was living this way but the bottom line is sometimes the best thing that can happen to a person and the church is when somebody, somebody gets exposed because it finally tells us that the stuff you had been believing in the first place was a lie, there are no spiritual superstars Now, some of y'all ain't ready for this. I'm just going to throw myself out there. I used to tell folk, uh, you know, I like, uh, I like chicken. I don't really like beef. Uh, can I be honest with y'all? I'm just going to put myself out here. Because I think we need to just make the place comfortable for folk to be honest. Because, see, in the church, in the church, we are taught by behavior to pretend like we are holy. I remember my family, we used to be fussing and fighting and arguing in the car on the way to church. But when we got there, everybody would be like, praise the Lord. How you doing? Everything is well. Please, everybody's not going to receive this word today. So I'm just going to throw it out here. I go to the movies. Hey, and sometimes I bring them home. 
I got to throw it out there. I just don't like, and look, y'all know, we're working hard on our diet. And the main reason that I feel like I got to say that is because I'm afraid. Let me just go ahead and be real. I really like red meat more than I like chicken. So be honest. I love sports. Truth is, sometimes I'd rather watch sports than read my Bible. I'm out there now. I'm out there. Sometimes I cuss. I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm not going to lie about it. Because, yo, look. I'm tired of us creating an environment in church that's not real. The bottom line is, some of us do stuff. Some of us say stuff. Some of us have been places. Some of us think thoughts. So, so, so since you won't, I will. I'm a man. Oh, it's, getting, it's about to get real uncomfortable now. I'm a man. No, y'all ain't hearing me now. I'm a man. No, 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 no. Make no mistake about it. I'm a man. I like women. Can't get nobody to talk to me in here. Can I preach to you for a second? I like women. And any man that, that's so spiritual that he tries to act like he don't like women. Now, 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 hear the problem. Now, the pro- see, psychologically, I know what you're saying. You're saying, whoa, whoa, don't, don't put yourself out there like that, Pastor. Don't. You understand, understand. You're going, you understand it better by and by as we get through this word. You see, spiritual growth cannot happen in an atmosphere of spiritual denial. And one of the reasons why when the big spiritual superstar falls and it rocks the church is because you guys believe the lie that the spiritual superstars are supposed to be more spiritual than everybody else. And you know what it is? It's sort of a spiritual voyeurism. It's spiritual, it's vicariously living in somebody else's life. See, we like to have superstars. The pastor. Tate. Bozeman. Davis. Hall. Cox. Put them up there. Now, what if, what if Violet cusses one of y'all out one day? I'm not saying she will. I'm not saying she will. But if she does, what does that say about her? Or more, what does it say about you? I'm kicking down the doghouse today and letting all the puppies out. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm not saying this to give myself credit, but there's a lot of preachers who, are not gonna, who ain't going to be this real with you today. The truth of the matter is, is once you become a Christian, follow this now, we believe that if you are new in the faith, then it's permissible for you to have shortcomings. But even, even the new members, we don't give them a whole lot of time to change. And, and our thought process is, the longer I've been in the church... Then, then, then I should be shedding fat. Now watch this now. You, nobody ever told this to, this, this to you before. But that's a lie from hell. 
And people struggle more spiritually. See, many of you are thinking now, Pastor, you, you're giving license to sin. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. That's all I can say to that. Now, again, I told you, you cannot receive this word today if you are listening to this word and you are hearing it for somebody else. Watch this. Sin in a believer's life, read that everybody, is not always what? Nor is it always. Often it is what is simply revealed or brought to view because of the Holy Spirit's work. This is painful and rewarding. Now, 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 I, I gotta, y'all gotta get this today. What I'm saying, Sister Clopton, is is that the closer we get to Christ, and I'm going to give you scripture, and I'm going to give you Ellen White, and everything else you need after this. But the closer we get to Christ, see, we've been taught all our lives that the longer we're with Christ, the gooder we should be. Come on in here. You're supposed to be a good boy now. Now, I'm not saying you should be bad either, but notice now, when we fall into sin, a lot of times, it's not willful disobedience, or just flat, flat, flat out backsliding. What happens is sometimes God sets you up to fail so that you can see the stuff you couldn't see. Damn, get that word. Get this word. Get it. Let me break it down. I'm trying to figure out where, 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 should I, where, should I, where should I go with this? The poor in spirit. The Bible says, blessed are the what? All right, so the Greek, there are two Greek words for poor. This is a good thing to write down. There are two Greek words for poor. The first one is penes. Can you say that? Penes. It describes a man, now watch this, get this. Well, you got to follow this. It describes a man who has to work for his meager living, who serves his own needs with his own hands. He's not rich, but he's not destitute either. So watch this now. When the Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit, we can look at it one way where it says, the kind of poor person that is not destitute, he can work for what he has, but he's not going to be rich. He's not going to be wealthy. He'll just have a little bit, like most of us in here. He's a, he's a, he's a lower middle class person. But that's not the word that's used in this text. However, that's how most of us operate. We try to work and impress and hide and check the list. I did this. I did that. I've been in this long. I read that. I read that. Look, God, I'm good. But that's not poor in spirit. Watch this now. The other word that is used here in the text is, now this is a tough word, patokas. Can you say patokas? It describes absolute abject poverty of one who through circumstance watch that now cannot make a living they cannot make a living and they and they are forced to do what everybody they're forced to beg it means to crouch or cower uh continue penis describes someone who has nothing superfluous they don't have a lot of stuff but patokas they have nothing at all so let me give you a picture of somebody who is patokas real poor in spirit this is a person who, let's say they have a physical ailment like leprosy. They cannot work. They have to live on disability. You follow me now? And so the only way they can survive, somebody say survive. 
please hear this now. The only way they can survive is if somebody else helps them. So to be spiritually, this is the Edmonds version of the Bible. Blessed then uh, and godlike are those who are what everybody? Spirit, spiritually poverty stricken. Rock bottom broke. Who are absolutely and completely destitute and have no other choice but to live a life of begging. Y'all missed it. Their hearts are spiritual slums and they are so sick and spiritually incapacitated that they cannot work their way out of their situation. The only thing they can do is beg. What Jesus is saying is, blessed the most... (laughs) He says, blessed are those that are spiritually broke. Blessed are those that, that have no chance without God. Blessed are those that are so messed up, so wretched, so dirty, so filthy. Not folks running around here trying to act like they are, but but the real folks who have come to an awareness. Oh, that's the key word today. An awareness of their spiritual uh, uh, brokenness. Isaiah 66, 2 says, these are the ones I look with, look on with favor. Those who are what everybody? And what everybody? In what? And who do what? Tremble at what? At my word. Psalms 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the? And save those who are crushed in what? Uh, Romans 10, 13 says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? Oh, you missed that. We were taught all our lives to be saved. We had to do the right things. But the Bible says salvation is based on calling on God. Oh, y'all. If you want to be saved, learn how to call on God for help. The saved folk are the folk who know how to repent. They went when they fall and they do fall. They know how. And so I'm asking myself, why am I spending so much time trying to indoctrinate people? I ought to be spending equal time trying to teach them how to call on the Lord. Because calling on the Lord is what's going to get them saved. Listen to your girl. She says, humble your poor, proud, self-righteous heart before God. She says, get low. That ain't, come on now, that ain't in the church. A person that says they don't struggle with pride, you are sorely deceived. Ain't a breathing human being. You, either A, you don't know what pride really means, or you just, I'm saying you're just deceived. I used to think I didn't struggle with pride. I would say, man, I'm proud of my humility. every breathing human being struggles with pride because pride is the root of all sin everybody got that so so notice what E.G. White says she says humble your poor proud self-righteous heart before God get low very low all broken in your sinfulness at his feet Devote yourself to the work of what, everybody? Rest not until you uh, can truly say, my Redeemer liveth. And because he lives, I shall live also. So watch this now. Get low. 
Get low. Let me show you something. You got to get low. A lot of us think that entrance into the kingdom of heaven is like walking through this door. We can walk in with our swagger and walk right out. We can just walk around. The heaven, heaven's door is so big that it can take all of our arrogance. Somebody locked the door on me. She said, I, I told nobody not to let him in, right? So we just walk through the doors of heaven. No, no, no. You know how you get through heaven? You can't walk through. Come here, Dwayne. Come here, Dwayne. One of the things you discover. See, all this time you thought you were going to walk with when the saints go marching in your pride, your proud self. You're going to hell. Can't go in proud. The Bible says, he said, narrow is the way. You know why? Because you, God got to put you down the side. So, so what happens is, is God said the only way you can get in is you got to get low. Low on yourself. Low on your attitude. You need to crawl your way in. See, desperate people crawl. And watch what you'll begin to discover. It don't matter how small you are, you still can't get in. The only way you're gonna get in is I need you to help me get in, Doc. I need you to help me get in. You're gonna have to lift the only way I can get in is you got grace has got to lift that chair. I'm fighting my way in. I don't deserve to get in. He didn't. I, it's not my righteousness that gets me in. It's not my Bible that gets me in. It's not my diet that gets me in. I got to get poor in spirit. I got to crawl in. And the only way I get in is he got to help me. Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. Go on. Most of y'all think that you're going to get in like this. But see, we're too proud to even admit. See, nobody wants to look silly. So one of the reasons why we don't confess sin and and be honest in church is because we don't want to look bad. But James 5.16 says, confess your faults to one another that you might be healed. I'm telling you, hey, listen to what I'm saying. Everybody here. What I'm saying is there is an atmosphere in this church that actually hinders people from being saved. The minute you put somebody up here and expect them to be up here, you're wrong. You know why? Because you should never expect more out of others than you expect out of your... Now, now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Oh, now, now we're going to get in this thing. Are y'all with me today? Now we're going to get in this thing. So watch this now. Jesus said to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Now watch this. How do I know that I struggle with self-righteousness and pride? You look down on other people. For example, let me give you an illustration. If, 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 and this is just, a, you know, if somebody came in here, was a transvestite, cross-dressing, uh, sec- let's say they had a sex change as well. Uh, and they had AIDS. Let's say they came here 
and they're just as flamboyant as they can be. We say in our spirit, mm -mm -mm. I'm being honest about myself today. We say to ourselves, mm -mm, that's a shame. Oh, it don't even have to be that bad. We can see somebody come in here dressed in our mind inappropriately. And we say to ourselves, how can they come in here looking like that? Now, when you make that statement, it's in, you make the statement under the foundation that I would never. I would never do that. Okay. You might not do that. But the last I checked, there are no big sins and little sins. As a matter of fact, Ellen White says, of all the sins that is incurable, pride is the one. I wouldn't do that. Every time you talk about somebody that does something wrong to you and you criticize them for what they did to you, you have to take the attitude that says, I would never do that. And anytime you say, I would never do that, you have embraced the mindset of a Pharisee. If you've done that, put your hand in the air right now. Be honest up in here. Everybody has said, I won't do that. But the only way you can say you won't do that is I have to. Come in here, Roscoe. The, the only way I can say I, can, I won't do that, whatever that is, is I've got to compare myself to him. You out of order because we're not supposed to compare ourselves to other people. Now, there's a reason I picked him. I'm taller than Roscoe. So I'm saying, look, he down there. The Bible says, see, it says those who are confident in their righteousness, they look down on others. So I could really be shorter than him, but because my mindset is that I'm bigger, I actually see him as less. Come here, Craig. Oh, look at him. Huh? And, 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 he, and he bright too. So he, so he glows. And I look up at him and I say, still wrong. I could never be like him. He's so spiritual and he's so much taller than I am. But here's the real deal. If there was somebody here the same height as me, I would show you then that we all the same size. Get down on your knees with me. I know it's going to be hard to get up, but let's go down anyway. Let's get lower. Even lower. This is where we really are. This, is, this should be not my perspective about him, but my perspective about myself. Now watch this. Thank you, Craig. Let me, let me tell you something now that blew my mind. I'm going to show you. I got to give evidence. Here's the big idea for this sermon. Big idea is this. To be poor in spirit means that you see yourself as the worst sinner on the planet. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. 
You don't see them as worse. You cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven unless you see yourself, Christine, as the worst sinner on the planet. How is that possible? I can't be. Because you will never compare yourself to anybody else. But when you compare yourself to Jesus, how can you say, I'll never do that? I'll never do this. I'm so How can you utter that you are mighty in spiritual things? When you look at Jesus, when you compare yourself to his perfection, when you compare yourself to his faithfulness, when you compare yourself to his loving kindness, when you compare yourself to his long suffering, when you compare yourself to his forgiveness, all you can do is get low. And doggone it, the problem with us is we think we're too good. Touch yourself right now and say, I'm the worst sinner. Let me, let me, let me, let me, I'm just going to work where I, let me show you this, let me show you this text. Watch this. I'm going to come back to the story. Spirit of prophecy. The closer you come to Jesus, the more full faulty you will appear in your own eyes. For your vision will be clearer and your imperfections will be seen in broad, distinct contrast to his perfect nature. This is evidence that Satan's... What's that word? What's the word? Now, if somebody is delusional, that means they done lied to themselves. This is, now, this is a deep thing here. Because I do this every day. Sometimes I'm in the airport because I travel a lot. Sometimes I'm in the airport. And my wife knows this about me. Ah, the confession is good for the soul. And so I just sit down in the chair while I'm waiting for my flight and just watch people pass by. And I'm just, you know, I'm the, oh yeah, he, that ain't his wife, that's his girlfriend. <laughs> you know, you look, oh, look at them bad kids. Oh, that boy got a little sugar in his feet, don't he? And you know what I've done? I have taken my black behind and moved God out of the throne. And I'm sitting now on the throne looking down at everybody else. The only problem is because I'm delusional, I don't, I, you, know what, you know what throne I'm sitting on? I'm sitting on a throne that's in hell. That's right. That's right. But I'm so used to being there, I think it's heaven. The, read that, everybody. The more I see of God, the more I am aware of me. 
And so when, when we make these declarations, I know the Lord. I've been with God for a long time. I got a relationship with him. The first thing I want to ask them is, is how much of yourself do you understand? Do you see yourself as the worst sinner? Watch this. It's impossible to talk about other people when you see yourself as the worst sinner. Come on, preacher. You know, for example, you'll say, I mean, if a serial killer was sitting on, uh, sitting on death row and he was up there talking about petty thieves, you'll be like, oh, this fool. <laughs> so the hey, he done run, he done, he done kill 25 people, women and children, done raped folk, and he's judging petty thieves. Well, that's what it looks like. When you do not see yourself as the worst sinner, because by virtue of your self-understanding, your natural, the natural result is you will look down on others. Give me my Bible. Where my Bible at? Where did I put it? Get your Bibles. Go to Luke 18. I got to show you this. I'm going to close. Turn to Luke 18. Do you see why this is an important word? I'm going to be honest with you. Before I preached this sermon, I did not see myself as the worst sinner. But now I have, to, I have to choose to begin to really see myself as the worst sinner. If you see yourself as the worst sinner, then you, Lord have mercy, then you are ready to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Until you get to that point, you ain't ready. You're too proud. Your head too big. Your chest too poked out. And you know what God will do? I'm a living witness. He will knock you down. <laughs> you go, look, you going down. Downtown to Chinatown. You going down. The Bible says he curses the proud. Dude, I'm, dude, this thing is so prevalent in the Adventist church, though. It's so, this is so prevalent. Because you're doing that, because you're doing this, because you don't do that. Guess what? You're about to get knocked down. <laughs> Look at Luke 18. But pastor, you don't know what they did to me. You're the worst sinner. That's poor in spirit. Gossipers do not see themselves as the worst. To some who were confident of their own righteousness, verse 9, look down on everybody else. Jesus told this parable. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray. Now, this represents two worshipers. In this church right now, there's two kinds of people, BJ. Two kinds. There's only two categories of folk in the house of God today. And look what the word of God says. The Bible says, who are they? First, Jesus tells us. He says, two men went up to pray in the temple. One, a Pharisee. That's one group. And the other, a tax collector. Now, I already told you, a tax collector was seen as a financial pimp, as an Uncle Tom, as the worst kind of sinner. You remember that. We don't got time to go in that. So you got a super saint and you got a super sinner. All right? So watch this. The Bible says, verse 11, the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you. Mm. Okay, well, you're not, you're not that kind. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, porn watchers, 
homosexuals, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get, but those folk don't even pay tithe. The Bible says, this guy declared himself to be so high, Sister Lovey. You know why? Because he was looking at the wrong person. <laughs> Carl, but watch this. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. See, you cannot have that attitude when you think you're the stuff. When we come up in here, man, we ought to be like. Now, poor in spirit doesn't mean low self-esteem. But guess what? Can I give you some news? There is no such thing as high self-esteem in, in spirit. You know why? Because let's be honest. If you look at yourself long enough, you will get depressed. Look, any, anybody that's talking self-esteem in the spirit realm, they, it's not theologically correct. The truth is, ain't nothing to be happy about about yourself. Come on, say amen, somebody. The only value we get in ourselves is through God. Look what he says. He said, the task director stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Let me make this real. Before he came to church, he got high. Before he came to church, he slept with his, he, was, he came from the house that he was shacking up with, with the girl. Before he came to church, he, he, he robbed the liquor store. Before he came to church, he got high. Before he came to church, he lied on somebody. You know, he bad. But he gets in there, he beats his breast, and look, He's not a new Christian. He's been in for a little while. Because see, all the old Christians, they don't come down for appeals anymore. <laughs> appeal back. Listen, the appeal, the appeal is being made. Slide over, sweetheart. The appeal is being made. And the longtime saints just say, oh, they start praying for everybody else. Lord. <laughs> Where my son at? There go my son. Help him, Lord. And you know what God is saying? He's saying, get your Get out of that seat. Come down here and fall on your get low. And notice what the Lord says. Verse 14 says, I tell you that this man, what man? The sinner, the super sinner. This man, rather than the other, the super saint went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I'm going to wrap it up with this. Look what 1 Timothy 1, 15, 16 says. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Now this is Paul, y'all. Paul. He wrote, he wrote almost the whole Bible. Ain't none of y'all wrote a pen. You ain't wrote a, 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 an, an alphabet. You ain't wrote the letter A. This is Paul. Listen to what he says. He said, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. There's your text. 
Can you imagine if everybody in this church saw themselves as the worst, Alan? If everybody, Alan, if everybody in here saw themselves as the worst, there'd be no, there'd be no conflict. He says, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy. If you look, if you don't see yourself as the worst, you won't receive grace. Oh, whoa, whoa. Did you hear what I just said? There are some of us who have never experienced the grace of God because we don't see ourselves as the worst. Whoa. And you do understand that you cannot be saved unless you have experienced grace. Jeremiah says that our stuff is so bad, we don't even know it. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things. And beyond care, who can understand it? So even the stuff that I do see. So this is what happens in your spiritual life. When you go, this is how you know you're going from one level to the next. So when I first become a Christian, I only see that I have a smoking problem. And when I go to the next step, I see I got an attitude problem too. And then I see I got a lust problem. And, then see, and see, the closer I'm getting to Christ, the more stuff I begin to see. Because a spiritual person is a, not, he does not cherish his sin. He is aware of it. So, so I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. Don't worry. Don't worry. But this one, the Lord told me, he said, you got to finish this one today. Because they're walking around here. He said, listen, he said, you and your members walking around here like y'all are God's gift to the world. Sit down and get low. Because good people can't go to heaven. Heaven ain't for good people. Salvation is for sinners. The church is a recovery group. Recovery groups are there not just to get a person off his dependence or, his, or off of his, his drug on something, but to keep him off. And so this is why, this is why I began to understand this now, that addicts never say that they're cured. And we need to start doing that in church. Well, the first thing we need to do is be like say, hello, my name is Myron and I'm a sinner. Because I'm always going to be a sinner. Listen, see, experienced addicts know that they are never really cured, meaning they are fully aware of the outside risk that's of, of succumbing to their addiction. See, in other words, it's an attitude that says, see, the Bible says, to him that thinks he stand, let, take heed lest he fall. Look, I have not looked at porn in four years, but guess what? I got my settings set on my computer to strict. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, y'all don't want to pray with me now. Oh, you didn't want to hear that, did you? Oh, yes, I do. Because, I, because I'm not going to ever get, I'll never do that. Now, that may not be your thing. I don't know what your thing is. And you don't got to worry about what I'm doing in my office. You know why? You know why? Because that's exactly what I'm preaching against. You figuring out what somebody else is doing. What you need to be worried about is what you're doing. All these spiritual police riding around in their police cars. Pull over. You're not paying your time. Here's a ticket. And have y'all seen some of these police officers all arrest themselves? 
You're always at risk. Somebody say, I'm always at risk. I'm always at risk. I'm always at risk. Alcoholics don't stop being alcoholics. They merely stop drinking. <laughs> yeah. I'm still a liar. I just don't lie anymore. I made a choice. Hey, but guess what? If I ain't careful, I could. And I'm not above doing that because I know I'm the worst sinner. Now, I want everybody to read this together. This is my last thing. This is called the, Fer the Recovering Pharisees' Creed. We're going to read this together. Together. We're declaring to go. When I speak of sin, I will no longer talk of it as something in my distant past. When I speak of forgiveness, I will not speak of it as something received years ago when I became a Christian. I will speak of the sin and forgiveness I experience today that I am experiencing right now. Somebody put your hands together and give God praise right now. Right now. Right now. You know, folks, you know, we do this thing. Uh, uh, I'll, I, you know, I, you know that I used to be, I used to be something else back in the day. Oh, we love that testimony. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Yeah, you done found that you got more junk in your life. That enables me. Let's go. That enables me to be what? And what else? And what else? With who I am and who I am becoming. And when conversations turns to talk of sinners, I will realize that the conversation is really about me. I will always know that I am the worst of sinners. <laughs> I put, I put, somebody say I. I put Jesus on the cross. My sin. No, you didn't say it right. My sin. Come on, somebody. My sin nailed him there. And if I ever catch myself thinking that there exists somewhere in the world a worse sinner than I, regardless of the gravity of the, of the crime, it is at that point that I have stepped over the pharisaical line and am speaking about something of which I know nothing. When it comes to sin, I can only speak of myself with absolute certainty. And in regard to myself and sin, I am certain of this, that I am an expert at it. And in both my sin and my repentance. One brings me sorrow. Come on, y'all. The other brings me great joy. The remarkable thing is not that I sin, but that in spite of my sin, I am being used by him. And see, that's why I get so excited. That's why I can't. This is why me and this brother... I'm about to dance all around this church. Yeah. Because I just wasn't once lost. I still struggle with sin. But he uses me. I'm preaching right now, y'all. Amen. Woo! In spite of my junk, 
He, he says, I want you to be an expert at two things. Seeing your sin because you can't pluck the speck out of somebody's eye when you got a beam in your own eye. He says, and I want you to be an expert at repentance. Learn how to fall on your face. Learn how to cry out to God. Learn how to say, create within me, oh God, a clean heart and renew the right spirit in me. And I just don't say it 20 years ago, but I say it today and I say it tomorrow and I say it the day afterwards because I know one thing is for sure. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, I'd be in a devil's hell. That's why you ought to get on your feet and lift your hands and open up your mouth and begin to bless the name of the Lord because he loves you in your sin. He loves you out of your sin. He loves you when you went back to your sin. Bless that name of Jesus. Get low. <laughs> get low. Look at your neighbor and tell him to get low. Thank you, Lord, for this word. I'm the worst. Y'all forgive me. I'm the worst. And see, this is why, elders, when we're preparing, we're doing this series on how to preach. This is why I tell you that when you're getting in that word, the first person you ought to be thinking about is yourself. Oh, no. You know, I used to, when I used to prepare sermons, I'm thinking about how I'm going to tear them folk up today. Holy Ghost said, uh-uh. Sister Moten, he said, tear yourself up first. And then, when you, and then when you finish on one side, go on down the other side. Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. If there's anybody that should understand the goodness of God and not being proud is black folk. They told us for years you were less than. Told us for years you couldn't. Told us for years, sit down. Told us for years, shut up. And then you got the nerve to come up in the house of God and look at other folk the same color as you. Just for the sake of color, you ought to act like you know. I'm not done. There's some folk who don't even like admitting they watch TV. Because there's just this culture. Oh, y'all watch TV. And look, okay. And then there are some people who just don't like watching TV because that's your personality. But you do something. You got some toys or something at home. Oh, y'all think I'm talking about them toys? Huh? I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking, hey, look, I'm talking about them, them motorcycles, them boats. Oh, y'all don't want to hear me now. Them collections. Come on in here, somebody. Look, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying, just because you don't do that, you do something. Some of us got issues with money. Some of us got issues with our thoughts. Some of us got issues with sex. Some of us got issues with lying. Some of us got issues with, with stealing. Some of us got issues with paying tithe. Some of us, well, but at the end of the day, you're the worst. I'm the worst. We're the worst. Now let me in here. John says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But what's the last part? 
How much unrighteousness? This is the last thing I want to say. Y'all don't understand sanctification. I mean justification, sanctification, and glorification. Some of y'all act like y'all been glorified. But you still been sanctified. Justified means that God sees me as saved even though everything in my life says I'm not. Sanctification says I'm going to work with you. (laughs) But while I'm working with you in your mess... I'm going to represent you before the Father. And then when I get back, <laughs> when I get back, I'm going to change you in the moment of the twinkling of an eye. Because the thing is, I can't take you to, you ain't that perfect because if I took you to heaven in the condition you were in, you'd die on sight. Or when you got there, you'd be like, get me out of here because I can't take this. Play something, Michelle. Now, I mean, I almost feel like coming up to the balcony and walking down myself just to show you that I'm down here too. Worst sinner. My first appeal is this.